Hello and welcome to Weird Careers. I'm your host, E.T. All over the world, people have jobs, and some of those jobs we don't even know exist. There are jobs we don't know a lot about, and there are jobs that we don't even talk about. Well, I'm here to explore all of the above on this podcast. I will be interviewing people from all over the world about their strange and interesting careers. Everything from cosplay to sex work. Oh, did I mention that this show is NSFW? Over the course of this season, we will talk to people in all sorts of fields of work and dive deep into their professions. Also, if you think that you have a weird career or know somebody who has a weird career, let us know at eric at cardinalimages.ca. This show is brought to you in part by Cardinal Images. Get your business looking amazing at a great price. Check out their website at www.cardinalimages.ca for their gallery and quotes. On today's show, we have Reese Brunel, who is a video producer. Reese, welcome. Hey, thanks. Nice to be here. Well, I'm, we're really happy to have you on the show. So tell us a little bit about what it is you do. Give us a quick kind of summary before we dive deep in. Well, I'm a live event video producer. I produce shows and concerts and other things from a video perspective. That's generally what I do. Uh, I switch cameras and uh, run LED walls and video things for shows, TV shows, you name it. Nice. That's 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 a that could be anything so anything from like like a how like how big to small events do you normally do well it's kind of interesting because i started out in the corporate world and a corporate thing could be a small thing with only 25 to 50 people in it and you're running a, a video projector and a tiny little screen and it can go all the way up to i've run the the uh jumbotron at the sky dome many times wow, and I'm, I'm, cool. I'm broadcasting the sky dome i, I was doing uh, uh i got the opportunity to switch hockey at the olympics Wow. So, yeah. So it, it, it runs the gamut from something really small to something really major and, and huge. Well, that's that's really cool. Um, before I know before the show, we've chatted about some of the events that you've produced, some of the some of the things you've done before. Uh, for example, um, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, as an example, uh, how long would something like that take to set up and what's involved? Well, there's a lot of things involved because TIFF normally has all these different events that are going on all over Toronto. And there's everything from um, just live film events with stars where we set up television sets all the way down the street and uh, uh, there's uh, audio and there's a red carpet and all that. And we do all that or the orange carpet, as it were. We do that <laughs> whole thing. And that w- takes days and days and days and days because it's outside and you're running cables all over the place. And But from a perspective of seeming like a big thing it doesn't because it blends in in the end because it's just tv sets all over the place and small projections but it takes many days to set those up to make it actually work because there's a main area that they do at the bell light box and there are media everywhere you need to have media feeds you need to have a uh there's a main walk and we run the lighting there and the cameras and everything there to set them up takes a long long time we do a lot of uh set up and testing because we want it to look perfect because we know it's going to be on the air and we're often sending a feed from what we're doing to all the different television networks so we gotta we gotta know what we're doing um on the other hand some things only take a day to set up they do uh they usually do movies out on the street and we have an led wall uh we have a big crew come in and we set up that led wall in one day and then i tweak it for a few hours and then we run it all week long 
So my job might be just sitting watching movies all week, or it might be the stressful <laughs> thing of actually switching cameras in a, in oh, wow. a broadcast environment. So you never know what you're going to be in for. That's crazy. And like, like it sounds like, you, you know, a lot of different things in, in the field as well. Yeah, well, I've been doing this for 36 years. Boy, I'm old. Um, <laughs> and and you, you learn as you go. You learn as you go along. You, you learn one thing, then you learn another, then you learn another, and you get good at something. Originally, I went to school, and I got a degree in video production, and I became a producer of in television land. So I'm good at being able to operate three cameras in a studio and say, this is what should be on the screen right now. And it's what it should look like. And those mm -hmm. kinds of things that the technical side of it, but as yeah. you go along, you realize that the live event thing is actually more about unloading trucks than it is about switching your cameras. Like it's 50, 50. Yeah. Oh, right on. So yeah. what other large scale events have you produced? Oh gosh, everything. I, uh, all of the stuff for Sick Kids Hospital, whenever they released all the VS videos for, for their fundraisers, that yeah. was me running the video for that for most, most of the events. Not, oh, wow. uh, not all of them. There's other people out there. Um, yeah, I did all those. So I did them at, the, uh, at all the arenas that they would do them at uh, downtown. Uh, some very, very large events. I, I, do, uh, I, I did all, their, all the ones where they opened new hospital boards and things like that. I'd be wow. there running the show for that. Uh, I've done the boxing at the CBC. So oh, I would wow. come in and switch the show for the live boxing and I'd be saying a feed to the CBC and they'd be rebroadcasting that. Uh, yeah, uh, when it comes to like the CBC, for example, um, for years I did their town hall. They'd have to meet together and talk about the budget for, uh, for you know, hockey night in Canada, for example, but oh. legally somebody who doesn't work for the company would have to come in there and film it and record it for legal purposes that you yeah. had a legal recording of it. So I come in and do that and just record that, but I oh, get geez. to know all the juicy details before anybody <laughs> else. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Those kinds of things. Um, also I've done a lot of concerts, uh, when much music used to do the much music video awards, I used to do that every mm -hmm. year. I would do either the background video with all the LEDs and all the crazy things going on, or I'd do the camera switch from the front end, or we do some end of it. Like we do the, um, I would do, let's say the, uh, uh the after party or oh, some cool. other part of it. Cause they're, they're large events. You know, you're always in one part of it or another. Uh, I also do a thing called, um, uh, True Patriot Love, which is a, a giant event, which would have happened right about now, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, you know, it would happen uh, just last week. Mm -hmm. And it's a giant event with 16 screens and uh, uh, lots of cameras and, and, and a big act on stage. So mm -hmm. you, you'll go from uh, filming somebody on a, on a podium just talking about the foundation that they're working for, whoever it is, or, or, or Elon Musk or somebody like that, uh, to filming a, a, an actual music video with uh, the Bare Naked Ladies and you're ca cutting cameras and you're getting a shot of the drummer and you're doing all that. So there's a, it, it, there's a lot of things to this. That's cool. That kind of leads right into my next question, which is perfect. Uh, being in the profession that you're in, obviously you would meet some very high profile people and celebrities. What would be one of your favorite inter interactions? Oh man, there are so many. I cannot even tell you. <laughs> um, I've met so many celebrities. Uh, it's an interesting thing because in our industry, it is taboo to bother celebrities. So we do not ask for autographs. We never bother them. We don't, you know, we're there to support them. So mm -hmm. we're never bothering them, but things happen on their own. You know, uh, uh, what, an interesting one is uh, uh, there's a foundation called 1X1. 
and okay. they do a gala uh, fundraiser. And it's the one the guy who started it and who's their main uh, money guy is Matt Damon. And Matt Damon was going to come out and he's going to talk at the podium. And he's going to say, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So I'm up there getting the lighting right and, and whatever. And then we've got this three hour period before the show happens and no one has anything to do. And I'm sitting there bored and he's sitting there bored. So we just start talking. So here me and Matt Damon just talking about normal <laughs> everyday stuff for, for like two hours. That was the coolest thing ever because it's just That's like, you know, neat. the guy so well from movies and stuff. Right. And, and yet you're talking about, you know, uh, the weather or whatever. <laughs> oh, that is so neat. That was kind of I- neat. Um, another one was interesting. Um, years ago at the Much Music Video Awards when Justin Bieber was brand new. He was, he was, nobody really knew who he was yet. And, and he was just starting out. He had a thing he had to do with Katy Perry. Katy Perry was a big star at the time. She did mm-hmm. I Kissed a Girl and I liked it. And, and he had to go out on a tricycle and do this kind of thing with this chore- choreographed thing. But he's not a dancer and he's not, a, he's not into choreography. He was terrified. He's just a kid. Yeah. And I was backstage and, and I'm like, you've got this. You, you could do it. Just own it. And he goes, what if I fall down or something? I go, then just own it. Like I meant to do that. You know, just own whatever you're going to do and go out there and do it. And he goes, okay, I'll do it. Nice. I'll do it, Reese. He go and, and he was nobody. Nobody knew who he was. I didn't even know who he was. I didn't, he was no, he was no, his album wasn't out yet. He, you know, so he goes out, he goes out there, does it, knocks it off, comes back saying, he goes, I did it. I did it. I pulled it off. And I go, yeah, you're, right on, man. you're the best. You look great. You did great. You're, you're wonderful. And after that, every year he'd come back. The very next year he came back, he was huge big star and he comes over talks to me directly hey reese how you doing blah 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 you know nice. and then, the, then the next year came i'm doing it again this time he's even bigger he's huge he comes over makes a point to come over and say hey reese how you doing <laughs> that's awesome and then the year after that he became so big that you couldn't get anywhere near him they had security all around him and he'd be <laughs> across the room and he'd wave over the entourage and go hey reese how you doing <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool thing like he didn't have to do that you know, yeah. why would he remember me out of all the thousands of people you meet when you become super famous like that? But that was really nice of him. And so that was cool. Um, uh, another one was we did a big show um, and it was for a, a big fundraiser gala and they'd hired Stevie Wonder. And wow, Stevie Wonder was performing and we were at the Metro Convention Center and there was like 4,000 people there. And I thought, this is the best thing ever. I'm getting to see a, and switch video on a concert with Stevie Wonder in such a small, intimate environment. It couldn't get any better than this. My life is, is complete. Well, no kidding. That, but it, it was, got better. Because when they do big events like this, often they'll have the big star go in a smaller room and do a little private show for all the bigwigs who give a million dollars or more. They'll do a little yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing about, about people that do that is they generally give their million dollars and they go away. They don't sit there all night hanging out. They just don't. Yeah. It's just, yeah. they're, 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 so I get a call on my radio after the show and it, it says, uh, Stevie Wonder is performing in a little tiny room downstairs. Nobody knows anything about it. Go down there and get some video footage, grab a cameraman and go down there. And I'm like, okay. So I go down there. <laughs> sure enough, there's nobody down there. There's nobody down there. It's just him, a tiny little setup and his piano and a couple of handlers. And, and I, I would say, well, uh, I got to do, uh, well, oh, hi Stevie. Oh, how you doing? And whatever. And, and the guy say, Hey, come over and talk to me because he's bored uh, and nothing's going on. So here I sit at the piano with Stevie Wonder talking about music Oh my God. for about 40 minutes. Like, how did that happen? I cannot wow. believe that. Wow. I cannot that, believe 
And the whole time he <laughs> held my hand, cause I, I, it was kind of weird because he reached out and grabbed my hand. And, and I, it's kind of weird for someone to just come up and start grabbing your hand. Yeah. And, but the reason they do that is because he's blind and I didn't realize yeah. that's how he reads you. That's how he understands what your emotions are and who oh, you wow. are and what you're, where you are in space just by holding your hand. Wow, so that's that, incredible. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about that at the time. Um, it was really cool, though. So here, so I got a picture of Stevie Wonder holding my hand at the <laughs> piano. At the piano. So, well, we're definitely yeah. going to have to see that photo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are a million, million different uh, things that have happened like that. Uh, kind of really fun stuff to be able to do that. And the one thing that you realize is that everybody, no matter how big they are, is just a human being, just like you and I, and they just... We want the same things that we all want, you know, they, uh, you know, and they could be bored or whatever. The, the one thing is you never act like you, even if it's the best person you ever wanted to meet in your life, never act like that because then you're just a, a fan and then you get an autograph exactly. and, and you get on the other side of the gate. Well, exactly. I remember when I was doing my, uh, my radio show at uh, Centennial College, yep. uh, I, I had the opportunity to meet um, Marianist Trench bassist Mike Ailey. Oh yeah, and and drummer uh, Ian Castle. Yeah, cool. Oh, and yeah, nice. uh, once the fans had all disappeared and everything, you know, you just treat them like they're they're just normal people. Yeah, everyone's just a normal person, and and then you'll get the really interesting stories. You oh, know, absolutely. Uh, like one one year I was doing the uh, Much Music Video Awards. I was in the uh, I was in my job, <laughs> my job on this thing before the show was to go around to all the dressing rooms where all the stars were. Well, I hated that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and make sure that the TV that we had in every dressing room were showing the right broadcast and that yep. they weren't messed with and that they were functioning. So mm -hmm. I went around to each TV. I just come in and look at the TV. Well, I ended up sitting there talking to LMFAO because <laughs> they said, <laughs> oh, oh come and hang out with us, right? And they sat there and told me that they were going to break up. And this is when they were at their peak and they were showing up. Oh, with, damn. You know, they were at their peak and they were telling me, and just because we were just talking like human beings. And they said, you know, we're going to break up and here's why. And they told me everything. And it was a total secret at the time it wow. didn't come out for another six months that they were going to actually break up and i was like and i would tell friends of mine hey you know they're going to break up they're, oh no they're not they're the number one act right now i go no no they're, they're done and uh yeah it was kind of neat to have that insider information you know of course you know they're, they're safe with me because i if i go telling the media nobody's going to believe me <laughs> well no exactly right you're, you're just the guy who's running the, the yeah. live video feed over there or or years ago evanescence you know remember the band evanescence yeah and uh, Amy Lee was a singer in Evanescence and she was doing a thing at Much Music and I was setting up some stuff and then her and I are just sitting there bored and we just start talking about stuff and she starts telling me about how they're going to break up and their band is almost done and it's because her guitar player had an aneurysm oh. and, he, and he could barely talk and he was learning to walk again. He couldn't play guitar uh, and, and they just weren't going to continue and they were doing their tour at the time with another guitar player. But as far as a band goes, they're, they're, they're going to be done soon. And, and, and she was really upset about it uh, at the oh, time. Man. And uh, we were sitting there and I'm like, wow. I, I was like, I was an ear for her. I was talking to her, but you know, that's too bad. you know, and all that kind of stuff. So we're talking, I put my arm around her and we're talking about this because it was a really sad thing. Right. Well, a paparazzi took a picture and go, and oh <laughs> new bow for, for Amy Lee. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> So I had to explain that to my wife, you know, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Well, but, anyways, mo moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we know that uh, you've told us you went to school. You went I to did school for this stuff. Um, so is it like getting to kind of where you are in your career? Is it 
part part schooling now what that you've done or is it more who you know well it's interesting that you say that because you you just touched on exactly how you do get into this industry the live av industry is not like the regular broadcast industry if you want to get a broadcast job and work in like this at the cbc or you want to work at some television station then you then you got to go to college you get your degree in in uh in uh, television production, there's lots of different types of degrees you can get in that. And then maybe they'll hire you and then you've got yourself a regular job with a boss and all that. Yeah. The industry I'm in is all subcontractors and it's all people that work directly for AV companies and we do mm -hmm. live stuff. So your skill set actually has to be broader than that. But at the same time, you only have to know what you're doing really, your qualifications on paper do not have to be as bold. You just have to mm -hmm. know what you're doing. So what I mean by that is there are two ways to get into the live AV industry. The one way is to go to school and get all these degrees and then you come in the industry and you don't know half of what you need to know. And then if you're keen, and I, I, I like, to, I like that if you're keen and you want to be a uh, together person and you, you understand like you love what you do. Like if you love audio and you love everything mm -hmm. about audio and it's your thing and you know all the mixing boards, cause that's your thing. You're in as an audio guy. Your qualifications matter, but only to the point where you arrive. And then you got to be keen. Um, same thing in my world. If you come in and you're keen, you can be taught and you'll learn, even without qualifications. I've had young people come in to our AV world and their job is to push cases and unload trucks. And they go, I really love video. You do? You love video? You do? Okay, well, I'll show you then. You'll show me? Yes, I'll show you. Um, and, and I've been told off for doing that. Like, it's not a school, like, you know, we're actually setting up yeah. a real event. I'll, oh, I'm going to spend five minutes to show this guy how to put a uh, lens in a projector, let's say. Yeah. And, and what it comes down to is when I'm on another show, I can rely on that guy now to put lenses in those projectors because I taught them how to do it. And I know it's going to be done right because I taught them. If exactly. they're keen. I've had the opposite happen where someone will come along and they're not keen. Like they, they may have some qualifications. They come in and, and they're, oh yeah, I love video. I know everything. And then I'd love to operate this show. And then the show will get done. I go, well, I'll let you operate the video switcher and everything during the rehearsal. How about that? And they go, oh, I'd love to do that. Oh, that'd be great. And I go, well, here it is. And they go, I don't know that switcher. You go, um, we mean you don't know the switcher. I don't know. No one's trained me on this. I'm like, okay, so you're just full of it then because you don't really care about this because otherwise you'd know all about it. Exactly. Right? Like if you're into horse racing, you know all about the horses. You know all about them. I don't need to Absolutely. teach you. You know all about which is which and you know, you know all about all the breeds and you know, you know, like it's just a thing. If you're a DJ, you know all about music. You know about different DJ decks. You have a preference. You can say, oh, uh, yeah, you know, the Pioneer is not as good as the Denon. You know, you, you've got opinions. Exactly. You know all about it, right? Whether you have qualifications or not, doesn't matter. You're either into it or you're not. And, and so I find that when people come in our industry, if they're into the AV world, if they're into video or they're into audio, they're into lighting and that's their thing, they have a career. They can actually have a career. Not right now, obviously, but. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that's awesome. That's um, how you get in. That's cool. I'll, then you know I'll people. Be... Well, it's a good thing I know you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, um, everyone's nice to know. Well, what is the hardest part about coordinating and running these events? Oh, the hardest part about coordinating and running an event. Um, it's being on the ball because nothing ever goes the way it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. You'll come in and, and it'll be the simplest thing. Put this here, put that there. And then you get there. Oh, you can't put it there because the floor is crooked there. Okay. Oh, you can't put that there. Oh, oh, they, oh they really want it over there. Uh, oh, you don't have the things you need to make it work now. 
uh, those kinds of things. It's knowing that I can take two rubber bands and make the thing work, you know? Yeah. Because you don't always have what you need. When you do have what you need and it runs like clockwork, that's an amazing thing. It does happen. Um, but a lot of times it's those little intangibles, putting out the fires, as we call it. Uh, and, and they will come at you like you would not believe. On a major show where, like when I'm doing one for Sick Kids Hospital, thing like that, there's a speaker. That guy's the president of the hospital. You can't mess up his microphone. It's got to be perfect. Absolutely. you got to have the camera angle right. you got to work with the lighting person. you got to work with a lot of other people. And if you know, the lighting's got to be just right. Your camera's got to be balanced. All three of them got to look just right. You got to work with your cameraman. You got to know them. And after a while, you do get to know everybody. And you go, oh, I love that guy. You know, he's yeah. the best, right? And, and I'll put that guy in camera one. And, you know, and then you've got it just right. Uh, because there's no room for error in our industry. That's an interesting thing that most people don't understand. In every other thing, if you're making a movie, you can do 100 takes wrong. It doesn't matter, really. Someone's going to be mad about that, but you can get away with it. Mm -hmm. When it comes to live production it's flawless all the time it has to be it just has to be there's no other way around it and a lot of people get stressed out by it when when i'm on a big show and i've got i'm surrounded by ten thousand monitors and i got scripts in front of me that are uh, you know three inches deep and, and yeah. i've got all these cues they say aren't you aren't you afraid are you nervous and um when i was younger maybe but not anymore I, i'm not nervous now i'm in the what you get into the zone yeah and you have to understand that the challenges will just keep coming at you. You just, just put them out one at a time. How do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one small bite at a time. That's awesome. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, what was the most technically visual show you put on and how challenging was it and what made it so challenging? Oh my gosh. There's a million shows I've done. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it's hard to, from a technical point of view, there's always a challenge. There's always something. Um, we, I mean, I've done shows where there's five cameras and there's a, a jib flying camera, like a big crane arm camera and a remote camera and a wire camera on a thing and, and two wireless cameras and, and big giant studio cameras around and, and keeping track of them and robocams and keeping track Jeez. of it all is, is like there's nine cameras and all of them have to have a shot and they're all recording. And keeping track of all that is technically challenging. It'll, it'll stress you to the limit. Because your brain just your brain's only good at looking at I think uh, what is it six or seven things. After yeah. that, you you have to tune something out. So in order to do that, when you've got that many things happening, you've really got to be an octopus and have your head in the game. And if you're tired or something, oh, it's challenging. <laughs> yeah. um, that is from a, a personal point of view. That is the a, a challenge when you're an operator when you're operating a show. Uh, from a technical challenge, uh, I've done things that involved multiple projections we did a entire projection on the side of the uh royal york hotel oh, we cool. had projectors outside in the winter we had to mount them on the roof so i'm outside see it's not always glory sometimes you're outside in the freezing cold <laughs> putting projectors outside pointing at the royal york and we had to point them at really extreme angles to, to be able to hit all the different parts of the building and then we then mapping all those together so there's no seams when all the projectors are at crazy angles is the most challenging thing I've oh, done wow, in a long time. Yeah. I do a lot of mapping, but a lot of times it's a flat building or it's something with a few curves or bends in it, but where we can put our projectors is straight. But when everything's at a weird angle, it's just like angles on top of angles on top of angles. And you wake up in the middle of the night dreaming about how you're going to try and fix that one problem with the oh, angle. Geez. Yeah. And sometimes you can't put out those fires. Sometimes there's a little 
thing in the corner and ah, no one will notice that, but I know it's there and it drives me crazy. So that's a challenge, things like that. And then keeping that running all during Christmas, that was done last year and the year before we did projections on the Royal York and it was terrifying when we're setting it up. Once you got it working, it's just like, it's such a sigh of relief when you see it actually functioning. Oh yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Technically challenging, yeah. Uh, or when we do Nuit Blanche, and we're, uh, I did a thing once where it was all up the side of a tall building, multiple projectors all stacked on top of each other, uh, all running on software, wow. all doing a really high, long projection. And it was a projection of, a, of a, a digger tearing the building down. Wow. And at night, it looked so real that people would come down the street and cross the street because they, they would see, that, oh, God, the building's coming down. <laughs> it was wow. just projection. But to map all that, to get all those angles just right, because every time you next projector is pointing higher, it's pointing at a, a, a steeper angle. So oh, yeah. the first projector is straight on, no big deal. The next one's a little less, a little less, a little less. By the time you get to the top one, it is pointing at such an extreme angle. And you have to correct for all that so it looks correct. And, and oh, wow. that, it's challenging. It's challenging. It, it keeps you at night. Uh, so does your profession take you around the world? Yes, it does. I, I, get, I get to go all over the place. Like, what are some of the interesting places you've been? Oh, man, everywhere, everywhere. Mostly North America, but I've been all yeah. over the place. Been to different places in the world. Uh, been to Europe uh, to do some stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, there was a Canadian gallery that was being done out in Europe, so I went and did that. Went to Saudi cool. Arabia once and did an event up there, and our speakers melted in the Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> um, my last major show before COVID, I was in New Orleans and I got to spend Ooh. two weeks in New Orleans hanging out there and, and going to see all the sites there. I mean, you get paid to go there and we do, we were doing a conference, of course. Yeah. Once the conference is done, uh, you know, Bourbon Street is open. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So like, like the one, like the one in Saudi Arabia has me curious, like what, what event did, were you doing in Saudi Arabia? Well, it was a thing for one of the princes, I can't say, but it was just it, it was just an event they were doing and they wanted to use our production uh, to do it. I don't even know why they had us down there, but we went and did the production <laughs> and uh, we brought our, our PA down there and it, this whole thing was set up in the desert with these speakers and everything. But you don't realize that it, it is hotter there than you can imagine. The speakers we brought are actually made of some sort of polycarbonate plastic and Ooh. some of them actually melted. <laughs> Like full on melted, or they like melted down. Bit? They looked like they looked like someone hit them with a blowtorch. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Because what, what were the plastic. temperatures there? Oh, I I didn't have a, a forty degrees. 50. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. for those of those folks listening outside in America, of, it's uh, uh, one hundred twenty. That is <laughs> one hundred twenty <laughs> in the shade. Yeah. Jeez. It's a dry heat though. <laughs> Well, I would take a dry heat over a humid heat any day. Yeah, yeah. You can actually tolerate it. You realize why they wear all the robes there, because you're actually keeping your own body heat in, and you're keeping the heat from the outside from getting to you. So it literally keeps you cool. Yeah, keeps you cool to wear all that hot, all the hot robes. Yeah, yeah. Because it's you heat a up. weird way to look at it, but it works. Yeah, you heat up the body temperature, and then the heat can't get in from the sun. Oh. Yeah. Very smart. A little hot well, pocket. Before before we go, yeah. um, I do want to ask you one more important question. Um, well, more, more of an advice kind of thing. For those who are looking to get into this, 
What is your number one piece of advice that you would give somebody looking to get into the AV business? Well, I kind of covered it earlier. Um, be keen. I call it being keen. Um, be into what you're doing because it's one of those things. If you, if you do what you love, then you never work a day in your life. So if you, if you love audio, if audio is your thing and you love audio, then you can go to any AV company and they'll take you. They'll take you in a lower position. But if you're keen and you really love it and it's your thing, you can, you can, you can build a career in that industry. If you love video like I do, it, it can become your thing. It, it, you, you can become the lead guy. I, I started in the lowest position. I unloaded trucks and pushed cases when I started. Even though I had, oh, I've got my degree. Yeah, right. Here's your case. Go push it, right? Yeah, exactly. The thing that people don't understand about our industry too, uh, I did a vlog uh, for a while where I was posting pictures. It was called uh, Today's Office. And I would mm -hmm. always post a picture of the show ready to go with a switcher and all the lighting. And oh, looking at me and very naked ladies are on stage. Oh, yeah, I want to do that. But what I'm not showing you is a picture at five o'clock in the morning when there's a 52 foot transport truck and we have to unload that truck. And it's on yep. a stinky loading dock with garbage on the dock that reeks mm -hmm. and, and, and it's hot and a hot sweltering sun. And, and we're dying and we got to push these cases upstairs and we got to you know, go in a tiny little elevator and we have to spend four hours just moving things before we can start. We're not showing those things. But so if you're keen and you love what you do enough to put up with those kinds of things, then the industry is for you and you can build a wonderful career in it. Uh, it it's been one of the most stable industries there is. I highly recommend it. Uh, except, I mean, right now our industry is completely closed down, but that's not going to mm -hmm. be forever. It will come back eventually. And when it does, it'll go back to being the most stable industry. Normally it doesn't even go down when there's economic downturn. It's, it stays pretty solid. Uh, it's hard work. It's mostly a, a game for young people. When you get a little bit older, it's harder because you got to physically move things. Uh, sure. In my case, I've been doing it so long that I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a lead now. Uh, I yeah. still, you still have to do the hard work though. It does not get you out of doing hard work. Oh yeah. So if Absolutely. you like hard work and you're keen, you can get into this industry. No problem. Uh, I highly suggest uh, anyone that wants to do it though, to get a bit of an education first and whatever it is, uh, you can take a college course or a high school course in AV in either audio or video or lighting are the most common ones. There's also staging as well. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. There's a rich history in staging too. They don't, they, they work the hardest though, and they get paid the least. So I, I, I don't like it, but, <laughs> but those people are amazing. They do amazing things. Well, that's awesome. Well, I thank you so much for, uh, for coming on today, Reese. It's been oh, oh. an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I love talking to you. Well, well, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and those beyond the binary, that was Reese Brunel joining us today via zoom. This episode is brought to you in part by Zoom.us, keeping you connected securely wherever you are. Thank you for joining us today on Weird Careers. Please don't forget to like and subscribe, and don't forget to share with your family and friends. I'm E.T. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>